Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is part of our series, Next. We learn in this series that each one of us has a next step, whether that's baptism, joining a small group, or even being consistent in reading God's Word. Whatever your next step is, our prayer is that it will be revealed to you in today's message. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody good? And I'm excited about this morning. Are you excited about this morning? Really believe, man. How about worship? Worship was awesome. It was so good. I'm thankful for those guys and girls who lead us there. Yeah, you can clap for them. It's okay. Um, so thankful for them and, and just the way God uses them to minister to us uh, through song and through our, that worship time. Um, and uh, just how it encourages us to go out and live a life of worship, man. It's awesome. So um, if you're a first-time guest here, man, we're excited you're here. We want to welcome everybody here. Praying that God does awesome things through your life um, in you so you can do great things through you. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be there today. Um, we're going to continue this, this series, Next Steps, uh, and, or Next. It's all about our next steps. Um, listen, we all have a next step to take. That's what we talked about last week. And I want you to think of next steps in terms of what's my next step of faith? And we talked a little bit last week about how when, when we come to Christ, he invites us on a journey. The only way you go on a journey is you continue to follow. You continue to take steps. Um, and, and, and we see that in the lives of the disciples and in the lives of, of every disciple that's come after those first 12 and those first 120. That a disciple is someone who walks um, and follows Jesus Christ. And so um, our challenge throughout this is, is looking at what's your next step. As a follower of Jesus, what's he leading you to do? Where is he leading you to go? Is it just spending time with him? Is that the next step you're to take? Is it something in your life that you need to turn from? Is it something that's not in your life you need to turn to? What is it that the Lord's leading you to do? And we want to encourage you to take your next step of faith as you pursue Christ. Also, really challenging and encouraging us as a church to take our next step. We want to see um, as a corporate body, the church, the hope of the world that God has established to manifest his glory, that we continue to pursue Christ and we continue to move in that direction. And we've been talking about, um, got a big thing coming up on November 18th. You'll want to make sure you're here. We want you to be here to hear this and celebrate this with us, the next step that we feel called to take as a church. So we want you to be a part of that. All right, Joshua chapter 1. Today, the thing that I really want you to take away, the thing that I really want you to hear is that if we're going to take our next step, we have to get to a place where we say, God, your way is the best way. Your way is the best way. If we're going to take our next step, we have to come to the place where we are able to say that. In Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 9 in just a moment. But I want to set it up for you because there's a huge transition that's taking place in Joshua chapter 1. We talked a little bit about Moses last week and Moses' call and, and what he was called to do in leading the Israelites. And what we begin to see in Joshua chapter 1 is that Moses is dead. Moses just died. If you go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 34, Moses goes up on a mountain for some quiet time. God kills him. It's over, right? And then Joshua comes onto the scene. And so we're picking up this place where Joshua takes over for Moses, that the Israelites have been forbidden to go into the promised land as long as Moses and that generation of, uh, of Israelites were alive um, because they had disobeyed God. God had told them to go into the promised land. They said, listen, we can't take it. God said, okay, for that, you'll never go in. We get to Joshua chapter 1. That generation's passed away. 
God's about to call Joshua into ministry and into leading these people. And he's about to commission him to finish the deal, to take them into the promised land. And so that's where we're picking up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses is a Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the fact that it is alive by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray today that it would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray today that we would be challenged. God, that, that you would begin to peel away layers from our heart that keeps us from knowing you, that keeps us from following you, that, that God keeps hinders us from, from walking in your plans and your purposes, keeps us from submitting our will to your will. Lord, help us to see that your way is the best way and allow us to die to ourselves that we can live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many parents we got in here? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Parents, parents. How many of you want to be parents one day? Raise your hand. Yeah. It's good. It's a good thing. It's awesome. Parents, it's awesome to be a parent, right? It's good stuff. Love my kids. Love my boys. Sometimes I want to kill them. But other than, you know, most of the time it's really cool. It's really good. And, and you know, it's from God because for, for somebody to put us through what they put us through and we still love them, it's a God thing, right? Because, because anybody that keeps you up for the first two years of their life, and you have to clean out their pants and you still love them. Like if you wouldn't love me if I asked you to do that, but we love our kids. It's a God thing. We love them. And, and because God's given, we recognize them so many times as a gift from God, even when they challenge us. But, but the reality of it is it's hard to be a parent. It's difficult. It is challenging. Listen, my two-year-old Reed this week, sick all week. He had strep throat and the croup. I don't even know what the croup is, but I know it makes parents miserable. I think that's croup, what Greek, like Greek um, croup means uh, make parent miserable. Because that's basically what happened all week long is, is poor Reed, man, he's sick, he's coughing, and, and, and he, just, he just didn't feel good. And when he doesn't feel good, man, it, he's, he's just like me, he whines, right? And, and one night I'm, I'm in Jackson's, in Dake's room and, and there's a wall that divides Jackson and Dake's room from Reed's room and the rocking chair where we rock Reed to sleep at night is right on the other side of the wall and I'm laying in bed with, with Jackson and, and I'm laying there and all of a sudden I hear somebody knocking on the wall and, and so I finally put two and two together. I'm like, Susan needs me. And so I get up, 
I walk, walk around into the other room and she's like, he just threw up on me. I was like, I don't know what this has got to do with me. I don't do throw up well. And so literally he had gotten choked. He was drinking some milk and he got choked from coughing everywhere. It's tough being a parent. It's hard to be a parent. In fact, it's really hard when you tell them things and they don't do it. Anybody else ever feel like you're going to have an exorcist moment with your children when you're telling them stuff and they don't do it and finally you feel like your head is going to just spontaneously combust or explode and, and you're just like, just do what I'm telling you to do. The other day, Jackson and I were riding uh, through our hunting club and, and Jackson decides he wants to reach his hand out and grab some limbs on the way by. He did it once. I said, Jackson, that's not a good idea. I would not do that if I were you. A minute later, he sticks his hand out to grab some. He grabbed briars. <laughs> grabbed briars. And he's like, ah! ah! I was like, did he just get his hand cut off? That's how he was screaming. <laughs> ah! And I looked at him and I said a parent's favorite four words. I told you so. And he just looks at me like, oh, yeah! and I knew it was kind of drama. Like Jackson's our drama kid. And, and I knew there was a lot of drama involved in this. And so as soon as we get, um, we stop riding, we get out. I look at, and I look over and there's a turtle shell and he's still like, ah, and I'm like, Jackson, look, there's a turtle shell, huh? <laughs> and so I knew there was a lot of drama, but the one thing that parenting's hard, but the one thing that really drives me crazy is when I tell my kids to do something and they don't do it. But there is a little bit of reward when you get to say those four words. I told you so. And sometimes I wonder, are my children ever going to get to a point where they trust me enough to believe what I say is the best way for them? Right? (laughs) Somebody with a little more experience than me said no. (laughs) The father said no there. The son sits here. So, hey, we might need to, we'll pray for y'all after the service, okay? Um, But listen, but listen, listen. You get to that point. And I was thinking about that this week. And I'm like, sometimes I just wish they would do what I say. And then I brought it back to, to God. And, and I was thinking about it. I was like, I bet God feels the same way. Sometimes I just wish they would do what I say. And how many times have you felt like you did something knowing you weren't supposed to do it? Like God was leading you in one direction. You went the other direction. It didn't turn out so well. And God went, I told you so. But there's something about us that wants to go our own way, that wants to do our own thing. The reality for us is parenting is difficult. The reality with God is sometimes I believe God says the same thing. Just do what I say. It's best for you if you would just do what I say. And I would believe this today, that there are a lot of people in here who you've probably had to learn that lesson over and over and over and over again, right? And for many of us, we still haven't learned it. We're still taking that test. And for some reason, we can't get it through our heads. We're just stubborn. We're stiff-necked. We're we're rebellious. And we just can't get it through our heads that living God's way is the best way. I want you to understand today that 
Living God's way is the best way. And when we take our next step of faith, we're pursuing Christ, we're pursuing His way, we're pursuing God, and God's plan is the best plan. You don't know better than God. I don't know better than God. So the best thing for us to do is quit going, but God, just, shut, just do what He says, right? And we're coming to this place where if we could just realize that God's way is the best way. I believe Joshua had to have this revelation that God's way is the best way. He saw Moses and the Israelites struggle in the desert. He saw them walking around aimlessly because they had not trusted enough that God's way is the best way. And I believe we come to this place where Joshua's faced with the same decision, but somehow Joshua realizes God's way is the best way. The best thing we can do is exactly what God tells us to do and he takes his next step of faith trusting in God and believing that God's way is the best way and it's easy for us as I said last week to read these scriptures and somehow to romanticize them or to make them where it wasn't hard for Joshua but Joshua was leading a people who were about to cross a river into a land that they knew people were living who were powerful who were looked stronger than them who could possibly very easily kill them all take all of their possessions and somehow we read this and just go well he's just got to cross a river right and for us it's no big deal because if we were going to cross a river we just find a bridge there wasn't a bridge and the river wasn't just a river it was the jordan river during harvest time which meant it was during the flood season the river was raging i mean it was wild it was it was literally just out of control and god says listen this is what you're going to do joshua you are going to cross the river i mean like can we just can we go to plan b maybe perhaps can we just call this the promised land put us a sign we'll you know unincorporated promised land something i don't know but is there another way and joshua had to come to a place of recognizing and realizing this is my next step of faith and listen, before we go in, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you some promises that God gives Joshua in just a minute. And, and the question I want you to ask is, if I had those promises, would I take my next step trusting God? If, I had, if God spoke this to me, would I take my next steps of faith trusting God would do what he says he'll do? But before we do that, I want to clear up one assumption that we're we're about to make. The first assumption is this that we're making today, that you know God. Because everything hinges on the fact that you know God. Notice this, in the very beginning of this chapter, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said, He spoke to Joshua. My first question for you, do you know the Lord? Do you know him? Not know about him, not I've been through some classes, but I know him. I am intimately acquainted with the Lord, with God, with Jesus. I know him. He's spoken to my heart. He's called me into a real relationship. And hello, people who aren't real don't talk. Does God speak to your heart? Does God draw you in? Do you know him? Or do you just know about him? And I get this question all the time. How do I know him? How how do I know him? And here's my response. How do you know anybody? How do you know anybody? You you introduce yourself to him. They introduce themselves to you. 
You begin to talk to him. You begin to have a relationship with him. Talked to a guy this week. He said he went on a date, a first date with a girl. All right? He carried no cards. He said, I was afraid the conversation would, would die out and I wouldn't have anything to say. And so I wrote down some questions and I said, you didn't use them, did you? He said, yeah, I used them. He said he just sat at the table and he would read the question and set it to the side after they talked about that question. I don't really recommend that in dating, but if that's what it takes with God, it's okay. And I would never embarrass this person. And I would not tell you his name, but his initials are John Irvin. <laughs> Make sure you give him a hard time when you see him. He's our student pastor. Do not take notes from John. <laughs> but how do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. You ask them questions. You get to know them. Listen, God has written a lot of things to us in his word. God speaks to us through his spirit. God quickens our heart to things as we spend time with him. And the first thing we've got to come to is this knowledge of God. And I'm asking you today, do you know him? Because this is a, a very common problem in the church. We grew up in a culture that knows about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus. And my heart today is I want you to know him. Because until you know him, the promises mean nothing. But once you know him, you can be confident to take your next step of faith, trusting in him. Now I want you to listen to some promises that God gives Joshua. I want you to again ask the question, if he gave me these promises, would I take my next step? Verses 3 through 5, listen to this. I love this scripture. God speaks to Joshua after he gives him this daunting task of crossing the Jordan River. He says, I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Man, I love the scripture and I cling to this a lot is the, the scripture where it says, I will give you every place that you set your foot. Because this is what it's telling me about Joshua. As he's crossing into this land, as he's going into the promised land, God's basically telling him, Joshua, you're going into a battle that's already won. You're going to a place that, that's already been defeated. Be strong and be courageous. Just take your next step. Cross the river. Listen, you've already won. If God told you that in your next step, just take the step of faith, you've already won. It's already been done. Would you take it? If you knew that God, he, he's... He's already fought the battle. Whatever I face, he's already defeated it. Would you take that step of faith? Would you trust that God's way is the best way? Regardless of what that looks like, if it's, if it's something to do with your marriage, that you need to 
reconcile something. Maybe both of you have just been being stubborn and stupid and you just need to come to a place to realize I'm called to serve my wife. I'm called to serve my, my husband. And you just surrender yourself and say, God, I'm going to trust you because right now I don't feel it. I guarantee you there are a lot of days that Susan Williams does not feel like serving me and loving me with the love of Christ. And she makes a choice most of the time. In the same way with me, man, listen, I'm the worst. So many times I have to come to a place through my stupidity and hardheadedness just to humble myself and realize it ain't about me. Do you take your next step in a relationship that's impure, that, that's not right? To say, I'm going to end this because I believe that God's way is the best way. When it comes to work and, and how, you're, how you're pursuing your career and the things that you're doing. And we rationalize this by saying, listen, I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm trying to take care of the kids. But let me ask you this question. Are you sacrificing your home to try to save your house to have the house you want? Would you really trust him if he said, listen, if you'll take this step, you've already won. Verses three through five again. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I believe that scripture again speaks to our heart and says, listen, I'll give you every place you set your foot. In other words, I've already been where you're going. I've already won. I've already been there. So wherever you go, I'm there. Whatever you do, I'm there. And you can't go so far to get away from the victory that I've given you. If he promised you that, would you go? If he promised you that, would you step? If he promised you that, would you take that next step of faith to move confidently in God? That no matter how far you go, you won't outwalk the promises of God. If he promised you that, would you go? Verses six through nine, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Listen, God knew what Joshua was going to face. He knew where he was going. And he says, be strong and courageous. And in verses six, he tells him, listen, verse six, he says, don't worry. I'll do this. I will give you the land. And so many times we won't take our next step because we feel that it's up to us. Verses seven and eight, he says, be strong and courageous. Trust my word. Trust what I say. Trust my word. And step where I tell you to step. Be strong and be courageous. I've already been where you're going. And in verse 9, he says, be strong and courageous because I will be with you wherever you go. He promises Joshua, I will be with you wherever you go. You can't outwalk my promises. You can't outrun my promises. Just go. 
You're fighting a battle that's already been won. If I gave you those three things and and God spoke those three things to your heart and you knew those three things were true, would you not take your next step of faith, whatever it is? Yes. Could we step confidently and courageously and with strength and with trust in the Lord, trusting that his way is the right way? Yes. And I want to tell you today that God's already given you those promises. You say, well, this was written to Joshua. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We call it the Great Commission. And this is what Jesus says to the disciples. It says, Jesus came to them. He's about to be taken up to heaven. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, listen, all authority has been given to me. So go. In other words, I've already won. I've conquered every authority. I've conquered everything that could hinder you. You've already won. Go. If you look over in Luke chapter 4, verse 5, this is during the time when Jesus is being tempted. He's being tempted uh, to, to, to go and do things Satan's way. Satan is literally throwing things at him. And one of the things he does is he takes him to a high place. And he says, listen, if you will simply worship me, I'll give you everything you see because it's all been given to me all authority has been given to me and i'll give it to you but then when we come to matthew 28 in verse 18 jesus says all authority in in heaven and on earth has been given to me anybody see a little change there somebody got their butt kicked and his name's satan And here's the awesome thing, and it's humorous to me, because Satan says, look, Jesus, if you'll worship me, I'll give you this. And I really believe that Jesus looked him in the eye and said, wait a minute, you don't understand this. I'm just going to take it from you. That would be like me going up to a two-year-old, the two-year-old having a candy bar, probably a Butterfinger, that, that I really want, and him saying, look, if you'll worship me, I'll give you this candy bar. They're like, so listen, if I want the candy bar, I will take the candy bar. And you can go tell your daddy too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But it's the same kind of thing where there's this huge transition that happens. And Jesus says, I've already won. I've already done it. It's been done. I've conquered all. Now just Go. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. Just go. We've won. There's, there's nothing else to be done. We have won. You flip over to Acts 1.8. And you see where Jesus says, go to the ends of the earth. And he tells us in Matthew 28, I'll be with you always to the ends of the age. And we realize that Jesus is going. He's already there. He's with us wherever we go. Just go. Just take your step. Just quit making excuses and go. Just follow. Look over in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, I will be with you always. So we see that the same promises to Joshua 
have even been made better through Christ. That he's given us this great promise of a victory. That we, we're not fighting for, we're fighting from. He's given us this great promise that he'll be with us. That we'll never outwalk his promises as we follow him. That he's the one going before us. Leading us. Taking us to the promised land. And so what's the problem? Why do we not see this so many times? Why is it that we so many times struggle to take our next step? Why is it we struggle to follow God? I believe it's because we love verses 3 through 9, but we haven't gotten verses 1 and 2 yet. We love all of that stuff. And I'm telling you, we could preach that and we could talk about that and we could even probably get people to clap and be tough and be a movie of the Holy Ghost, but, but we could probably get people to clap and we could really talk about it. But then when we come back to verses 1 and 2, things get quiet because here's the reality verse 1 says after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua son of Nun Moses is aid now my Moses my servant is dead I want you to hear today and understand today that if we're going to take our next step if we're really going to pursue Jesus if we're really going to move forward something has to die period something has to die these scriptures in verses one and two are huge statements that god's telling joshua because you remember when i told you that the israelites have been in this place where they've been wandering around in this desert aimlessly just waiting on people to die and then they finally get to this place where moses dies and that whole generation dies and they get to a place where god finally says now let's go in and we're coming to this transition and god even says it in here it says now then you and all these people can go in. And the thing I want you to hear today, the thing I want you to really understand is that the promises of verses 3 through 9 are true and we can go and we can have victory, but we'll never have victory until something dies. Something has to die. That is what God is telling Joshua. Joshua, listen, Moses, my servant is dead. Let's go. In other words, the thing that's been holding you back and hindering you from walking in my promise is dead. Let's go. And I want you to see the gospel in Deuteronomy and in the book of Joshua, because here's the awesome news about Christ is that when we come to faith in Christ, the thing that was holding you back is dead. Let's go. What held them back? Their disobedience, a lack of trust in the Lord. Listen, that, that, that leads to sin. The root of all sin is not trusting that God's way is the best way. We think we know what's better. I was talking to a friend of mine this week and he was like, why is the grass always greener on the other side? And I'm like, because it's probably over a septic tank. And we come to this place where we don't trust him and we're still living as if life is about us and as if we're the ones who call the shots. But I want you to understand that we have to come to a place where something dies. Jesus put sin to death on the cross. 
When he, listen, when he was crucified and he said, it is finished, it means it is done, it is over, it is accomplished. When he came out of the grave, it sealed the deal that sin and death no longer had any power over us. Here's the problem. Listen to me, church. Too many of us love our sin more than we love Jesus. Period. Sin has no hold. It has no power. Many of us walk around as if we're toting a dead man with us. First of all, ooh. Second of all, why? When Jesus has freed us, the only answer is that we would rather do it our way, thinking our way is better and we love our way better than his way because we truly don't live in a revelation of who he is. And we've got to come to a place where something dies. And I want to tell you that something is you. That something is me. That we come to a place where we die. I want to take just a second and be sensitive because here's the thing that I know. There are some people in here right now, you can't see your own sin because you're reeling from the sin committed against you. You're walking literally through hell. And right now it's hard for you to hear his voice because you're numb, you can't feel anything. And this is what I want to encourage you with. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse three, or two and three. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. I want to encourage you. You're walking through hell right now. You know, man, listen, this is the thing. I want you to cling to Christ. I want you to grab hold of Jesus. I want you to grab hold of his word. I want you to talk to him, ask him questions, be angry, whatever. He can take it, but cling to the Lord. There are some of you who need to hear this. You're going to come out on the other side. If you're in Christ, the battle is won. You're going to make it. We'll help you make it. The Holy Spirit, the comforter will be with you to help get you through. That I want you to understand you can and will make it. Listen, with Jesus, our future is always better than our past. Our circumstances may not get better, but listen, when we have Christ, we begin to change the circumstances. And I want you to understand that you can make it. But here's where my heart breaks. This is where it's difficult as a pastor is to watch person after person after person make stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision that robs you not only of abundant life, but of being a part of God's plan and purpose for your life. And the number one cause, the number one reason is that we haven't come to a conclusion that God's way is the best way. We haven't come to a conclusion and a revelation that I'm not the main character in the story. Right? Anybody, anybody like the spotlight? Like I never heard anybody that loved theater that went out for, to try out for the play and was like, I hope I get to be the tree. You know what I'm saying? 
Just say, no, everybody wants the main part. When I coached football this year, we had 17 kids that wanted to play quarterback. Nobody was like, I want to be the guard because I don't want to get any recognition. It doesn't happen. People like the spotlight. You can say, well, I'm shy. I don't like it. Whatever. You might not want to be up here, but you still like recognition. And somehow we've got it in our minds that this story is somehow about us. And it's not. I think this is great evidence. God says, listen, I don't even need Moses to do what I'm going to do. Joshua, let's go. The story is not written about us. It's written about God. And the purpose of humanity has never changed in the history of the world. Because the purpose of humanity has always been to fill the earth with the glory of God. It's why he created us in his image. It's why he said, fill the earth and subdue it. And then he comes back. We sin. We screw it all up. And God says, now listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to recreate you in my image. And you're going to fill the earth. The local church will be the hope of the world that fills the earth with my glory. So that people know who I am. It's not about us. It's not about who we are. It's kind of the irony of preaching. If you come up here to open holy, a holy word, that you talk about a perfect God and you proclaim who he is, our job is just to point people to him as we open this word because it's not about any preacher. It's not about anybody. It's about the glory of God. And his plan and his purpose for mankind. So many times we get hung up because we still think we're the main character. And we're not. We need to die to ourselves and die to this desire to be the center of the universe and realize that it is Christ. We've got to come to a place where we desire that God's name would be exalted far beyond our own. That his desires would be conquering, not our own. I want you to understand this too. Listen, there's great power that comes into our lives when we come to a place of recognizing God's purpose and we surrender our will to become a part of his will and his purpose and his plan. It's powerful. And one reason people get turned off from church and Christianity is because we come in and we think that we say a prayer and it changes everything. And we never get to this place of dying to ourselves. And when we come to that place of dying, when we come to that place of yielding, when we come to that place of surrendering and letting everything go and trusting in Christ, and every day we get up and we trust in Christ again and we die again and we put him first again, we make him the center of our lives, not ourselves, we begin to see great and incredible power. When we are no longer the main character, we see the power of God working in our life. I've got a video. I want you to watch this video. And I really believe this, that you're going to be blown away by the testimony of what surrendering to God's will can do. Well, in sixth grade, I started playing guitar. And I, I got to where I just love music and I love, I love playing the guitar. And so I, I eventually got to where I was playing at a youth at another church for their praise band. One Sunday, I uh, saw Sean, who's another drummer at Connection, play. And I just had a spark in me and a desire to want to learn how to play drums. And so I asked him if he could teach me, and he said, sure. So we started with lessons, and he just told me to just, just keep playing, just keep practicing, and you'll get it, you'll get it.
and I kept practicing and practicing and I was able to pick it up quicker than I thought I could. And the first Sunday I played at Connection was July 4th, 2010 in the Old Blue Building and it was just an incredible feeling knowing that I could use this gift to glorify God and give, give everything back to Him what He has given me. And it was just an awesome feeling. Well, a few years ago, I was struggling with, the, with my foundation of who God really is. I just didn't know what to believe. I was, I was struggling. And then one day I went to go meet with Brandon, our pastor. And um, after I had a few questions, and then we just talked for a while. And then, and then once I got done, I realized it was just like a wake-up call from God. I mean, He was telling me all along His will, and I was just being disobedient and just denying Him and not putting them first in my life. And so this hit me so hard that I felt like I needed to take the next step in getting baptized and rededicating my life on September 23rd at Connection. And while all this was going on, God was making a, a plan that was bigger than I could have ever imagined. Well, my senior year came around, and it was about that time where I needed to start looking for colleges. Um, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go or where God was leading me, but um, I knew that wherever I did go, that I wanted to be able to use the talents God has given me and still be able to give back to Him. So I decided to start looking into worship schools in the United States. Then I came across one that wasn't in the United States, and it was called Hillsong College in Australia. So I said, what the heck? Uh, and I applied in February 2012, and in March of 2012, I was accepted into Hillsong College. And to be honest, I was scared, but at the same time, I was also excited that God was giving me this opportunity. So through many months of praying and talking with people in the church, I finally decided that I needed to, I, that I needed to commit myself to this journey that God was leading me on. And through all of this, I discovered that God was leading me to do something greater than I could have ever imagined. And that's why my next step is to pursue a music ministry diploma at Hillsong College in Australia. I don't know, um, I don't know if all of you are familiar with Hillsong uh, or not. We actually sing some of their songs too. They're a small little worship team out of <laughs> Australia. Um, actually, they're... they're a worship group that has transformed, really, and been a part of a transforming movement in worship music around the world. Um, absolutely incredible. We sing a lot of their songs. You probably don't even realize we're singing them. But, but here's the thing. Um, Will Tucker, 18 years old, said, yeah, I'll go. All right, Lord, I'll go. I'll get on a plane and fly for 24 hours away from my home by myself to do what I feel like you're telling me to do. That's pretty crazy. Like, I don't know if I'd do that. But God says, listen, or Will says, listen, I think God's telling me that I'm supposed to go to Hillsong. And so I'm going to go. How do you get to that place? You know God. And you die to yourself. It's not always what's easiest, but it is always what's best. And I wonder what it is that's holding you back. I wonder what it is that, that you know, like, 
I've got to die. Maybe it's just everything. Maybe I talk to people all the time. And this is what they say. I know I need to let go. I just don't. And my response is always the same. Why? You're miserable. What's your way gotten you so far? Miserable. Discontent. Why don't you surrender and do it God's way? And there's always a rationalization. There's always a reason not to because we are good at rationalizing and throwing our, 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 our issues and our mess ups and, and our own um, um, sin off on other people. For example, the other day Susan calls me on the telephone. She says, hey, I need to call and tell you something. Okay. She says, I was at Walmart. I was in the parking lot. And this guy, this big white truck, came by while I was loading the groceries into the car. And when he got beside me, he revved up the engine like really loud and just spun off. While I've got three small children right there with me. It's like, okay. You want me to track him down and beat the crap out of him? I, I didn't know what she wanted me to do. And then she's like, well, I did something. It's like, what? She said, I wrote a note and put it on his window. And I was like, well, did you cuss? I mean, what did you, what did you say? And she said, I wrote, please slow down. I was like, you are a vicious animal. How could you do such a thing? Repent. And she was like, well, you know, I had to do it. I was like, okay, that's fine. I got no problem with you leaving a note. So please slow down on somebody's cart. I got no problem with it. And then she goes, well, you know, you would have gone after him. What's this got to do with me? But that's kind of our tendency and our nature, isn't it? Let's look at somebody else and let's throw it off on them. Truth, I probably would have, but that's beside the point. But but we're good at that, man. We're good at looking at things and going, let me throw this off here. Let me rationalize this away. Let me make this okay. And I want you to understand that the time of rationalization, the time of just going through the motions, the time of just saying, well, I'm a Christian because my granddaddy was a Christian or my daddy was a Christian or my mama was a Christian or because I go to church. Those days are done. Have you or have you not surrendered? Have you or have you not died? Have you or have you not allowed yourself to be crucified with Christ? It's what Paul said in Galatians 20, 21. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live is lived by faith. How? Because I've counted myself as dead. I don't live for me anymore. I live for Christ. And the reality of it is, listen, That's not the fanatical Christian life. That's not Pauline Christianity. That is normal Christianity that we surrender our lives. We die to ourselves and we say, God, you are all in all. You are the boss. This story is about you and I'm going to live for you. Have you come to that place? It's not about saying a prayer. It's about surrendering a life. It's about literally living a life that says, I no longer live. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's talking about the resurrection. And he makes this comment. He says, listen to me. I die daily. 
And in that scripture, Paul's talking about the fact that every day I have to count my life as dead because I literally put myself in physical harm's way that it would have a chance that I would be killed. Listen, has our life even come to that point in a spiritual sense where we would say, I don't, lo- I don't live any longer. If not for Christ, I was riding in my truck the other day and I'm thinking about my own life and I'm, li- I'm just praying to God. And I'm like, God, if not for your grace, if not for your work in me, how can we not surrender to that God? That has poured out his grace on us in such a way that we can know him. How can we not recognize that grace and surrender? And my prayer today, listen, is that God opens our eyes to that even more. And we would die to ourselves. We would literally be crucified with Christ that we might live. I want to read one last scripture. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus says this, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There's this incredible reality in Christ, that the longer we try to preserve our lives, the more we lose them. But when we finally come to a place where we say, I no longer live, it's all about Christ. It's about his work on the cross. It's about me living my life devoted to him. It's about a recognition that his way is the best way. And we turn from our way and we turn to Christ. The word of God is true that we find life, but we only find it when we lose it. God speaks to Joshua. and He says, I want you to know Moses is dead. What hindered you from moving forward is dead. I want you to know that every place you're about to go I've already given it to you. The victory's already won. I want you to know that you won't outrun my promises. I want you to know that you can trust my word. I want you to know that where you go, I'll go and I'll be your God. And I'll do everything I've promised. And in verse 10, it says that Joshua commanded the people, get ready. We're about to cross the river. And I would wonder how many of us in this place today would be at that that place where God has spoken. And it's not a time to make an excuse. It's not a time to make a rationalization. It's time to make a commitment. It's time to surrender to the Lord. It's time to quit playing games. It's time to quit playing hide and seek with God. And it's just time to come clean and say, Lord, the creator, the sustainer, the foundation of my life. That you had a place where you would surrender it all to him. Would you let it go? That he would be the main character 
of the story because the reality is he's going to be. You surrender, make his will your will. Crucifying yourself, living for him, recognizing that his way is the right way and take your next step of faith in following him. This is what I know. I know there are a lot of people in here today you know your next step you know what it is that God is saying do this you know what it is that God has put in your heart the question is are you going to do it you're going to take the step are you going to follow are you going to do what he's called you to do has God quickened your heart this morning through his spirit that you would follow him this is the thing I'm going to leave you with I'm going to leave that between you and God. And I'm going to trust that His Spirit has moved in you today to a place of surrender, to a place of dying and making Him the main character. That you're going to act on that. That you're going to respond to that. That you're going to do exactly what He's called you to do. That you'll seek out the help you need because we're here. take your next step it may be coming and getting one of us there'll be prayer people over here right out these doors you can go talk to them and pray with them you need prayer today you need to receive Christ you walk over there go pray with them what is it that God's calling you to do we're not the main character this isn't even our story it's God's story will you take your next step in your journey with him let's pray Lord thank you for being good to us. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you that when we do die to ourselves, we find life. Lord, we love you and praise your name. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you that what's hindered us from walking in your promises, what's hindered us from following you is dead. It was crucified with Christ. God, I pray that we would reckon ourselves dead, that we could live in you, bringing you glory, making you known to those around us. Help us to see that we have a greater purpose than living for ourselves. In Jesus' name.